Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm Rod Serling. You're listening to The Zero Hour. Rest your eyes. Exercise your imagination. This week, Tobias Wells' neo-Gothic tale of small-town terror. A die in the country. Starring Peter Marshall. Susan Strasberg. And Andrew Duggan. In Elliot Lewis's production of The Zero Hour. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Zero Hour. Sponsored in part by the makers of Big Red Chewing Tobacco and State Farm Insurance. This is the Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. We all know that city living has become increasingly troublesome. Our cities are crowded, high-pitched, and in many instances dangerous. No one knows that better than the cop. This week, a story of a handsome young couple in search of rural peace and quiet. Newt Severson, detective first grade, Boston Police. Married one year. Wife, Brenda, seven months pregnant. They've heard so much about the beauty of life in the quaint New England countryside. The picturesque three-story Victorian house in the placid little college town of Wellesley seems the answer to their dream until they meet their neighbors. Until they hear the town gossip and find themselves in the middle of a nightmare. Their story, A Die in the Country, begins after this word. Vista means volunteers in service to America. I started out as a business major in college. I graduated as a business major. Uh, I got into Vista because I wanted to really do something. I chose this as my line. And when I'm getting into it, it changed my whole life. I went through cultural shock. I found out what types of people really need to help and what's really happening in our country in, in the back areas. There is so much to be done. But I could say that if a person anywhere has an interest in doing something, there are programs for them. VISTA is one viable means, but there's, there's so many ways of really getting involved with people. VISTA gave me my first start to work with the problems happening in this country and to really get down to earth and work with the people that need it. Volunteer for VISTA. Vista is one part of action. Action is doing something. There is something you can do. Get into action. Picture this. A small New England town. 
green rolling hills, tidy houses along quiet tree-lined streets, respectable facades covering what manner of guilty secrets. A Cadillac glides solemnly around the corner, purrs to a stop in front of an empty three-story Victorian house with silent shuttered windows. Well, there it is, just as I described it. It's kind of odd-looking, isn't it? I mean, it seems off balance. It's so tall and narrow with that high peak roof. Well, three stories, Victorian architecture. It's most picturesque, but thoroughly modernized. The most up-to-date plumbing and wiring throughout. And as you can see, freshly painted, and the new porch was just finished. Come along. I'll show you everything. Brenda was right. The house looked odd. Like the kind of house a child might draw. An oblong box set on end with a pointed roof on top. There was a big window in the front with small panes. And a cement and cinder block porch around two sides with a wrought iron railing. The shutters were dark green and there was a post lantern at the end of the driveway. A pair of coach lanterns flanking the front door. A spacious yard and lots of trees and shrubbery. Mine hair, our cat would find it a whole new lease on life after his cloister days in a Boston apartment. It's a great deal of house and ground for the money. I agree. What's wrong with it? As I said, the owner had the sudden transfer out of town and must sacrifice. The reduced price bears no reflection on the condition of the property. It's really quite rusted. Oh, yes. Why, you even have a little patch of real woods on one side. Mm, this yard would be the devil to mow. It's nice and private. You can barely see the house next door through all that shrubbery. That place looks a little neglected. What kind of neighbors come with the house? Oh, that's Mercy Bird's place. Mercy Bird? She's a writer. Mystery stories. Really? Yes. Lives alone there since her mother died. And keeps pretty much to herself. She'll not be any bother to you, I'm sure. Sounds like fun living next door to a mystery writer. And you have a very distinguished neighbor across the street. Rudolph Wharton lives there. Sorry, but who's Rudolph Wharton? <laughs> oh, of course. You wouldn't know being from out of town. He's one of our select men. And I imagine he owns nearly half of Wellesley's most valuable real estate. I stand impressed. Come along. I'll show you inside the house. Uh, truthfully, Mr. Severson, there aren't too many houses in Wellesley in your price range. I was ready to say we'd try someplace else in that case. I could feel my hackles rising. You see, I have very sensitive hackles. But Brenda tugged at my sleeve as Mrs. Maynard turned the key in the lock and opened the door. A creaking door, just the right Victorian touch. Uh, our spring rain. A little oil will take care of that. As Mrs. Maynard led us around like sheep to the slaughter, Brenda exclaimed over all the pluses while I ticked off all the minuses. A winding staircase. Oh, it's just what I've always wanted. The woodwork needs repainting. Three big bedrooms. Imagine. Two of them are going to have to be repapered. And a bathroom off each one. There isn't any John on the first floor. But as we followed in the wake of Mrs. Maynard's grand tour, 
treading on bright blue wool all the way, we came together on the view from the third floor studio bedroom. It was strictly as advertised. You see, I wasn't exaggerating a bit, was I? Oh, it's just lovely. Yeah, the view's great. I have to admit that. <laughs> and the bathroom has just been retiled. It's well heated. I just love it, honey. What do you think? Well, it needs a lot of work. I mean, I don't know when I'd have the time. Maybe we'd better keep looking. One week later, we signed the purchase and sales agreement. And one month later, we moved in. When you're in love with your wife and she's seven months pregnant, if she asks for the moon, you'll see what you could do. Don't worry, darling. We'll take our time. And it'll be fun making it really ours. Mine hair seems to have made it his with no problem. The second I let him out, he streaked off into the woods. Oh, this is going to be a beautiful place for the baby. All this grass and trees and lovely peace and quiet. It's downright bucolic. Well, Newt, you do like it, too, don't you? Honey, it's going to be just what the doctor ordered for a tired city detective after slaving all day over a hot murder. Here you can leave murder to our next-door neighbor. What? Oh, Mercy Bird, the mystery writer. I wonder what she's like. Oh, so far, we've yet to get a look at any of our neighbors. They're being thoughtful, I imagine, giving us time to get settled. I still don't think it was too wise taking on a big move like this just before the babies do. Oh, it's just this thing. It'll keep me busy. No time to mope. Mope? About what? About looking like an old sack of lumpy potatoes, that's what. Oh. Hey, honey, let's let all these boxes go hang for the rest of the night. What do you say we try out our new fireplace? Take a little of the evening chill out of our new house. Right now, I feel like cuddling up in front of a cozy fire with an old sack of lumpy potatoes in my lap. Mm, you've been reading up on the care and handling of lumpy pregnant wives. What was that? What was what? I heard something at the door. I think someone's out there. Oh, for Pete's sake, it's probably just the cat. I forgot he was out. Relax, darling. I'll, I'll let him in. I thought so. Come on in, mine here. Hey, wait a minute. What have you got there? Hey, what's, what's he got in his mouth? Oh, Nude, it's a squirrel. You mean what's left of a squirrel? Well, I guess we'll have to expect things like that. I mean, living out in the country. Oh, Nude, get it away. I think I'm going to be sick. <laughs> Here's your favorite country music group, the Osmond Brothers, singing for your favorite chew in tobacco. Big Red, how sweet it is. Working on the big machines, building that road. How sweet it is with Big Red. Running down the highway, hauling that load. How sweet it is with Big Red. Cane poles, fishing holes, boys are shagging flies. We'll return to our story in a moment.
Don't you know that only you can do it? Make it happen. Don't you know that only you can do it? We've made such a wonderful start at controlling the ills of the heart. But we've got to finish the things we begin, and that's where you come in. Supporting the work of your heart association, that's where you come in. We haven't conquered heart disease yet. It's still the country's number one killer. But we are making progress. It takes time. It takes money. The researchers and doctors are putting in the time. The money? That must come from you. After all, don't you know that only you can do it? Make it happen. Only you can help to see us through it. So won't you give to your heart from generously? I found it took me longer to commute from Boston to Wellesley than I'd figured. I'd landed smack in the middle of outgoing commuter traffic at 6 p.m., and while the pike moved well, the arteries on and off it were going slow. By the time I finally got home, I was on the irritated side, and finding a strange car parked in the middle of the driveway blocking my way did not improve my disposition. What the devil? We, I wondered. At the moment, I wasn't in the mood for anybody. I made my way through the boxes of books and bric-a-brac in the living room into the kitchen where Brenda and a middle-aged woman with bleached blonde hair sat over coffee in the middle of boxes of pots and pans and dishes. Darling, this is Mrs. Parsons. You will have to forgive my coming before you've had a chance to settle, Mr. Severinson. But it's rather my job. I'm the official town greeter. Mrs. Parsons has brought us all kinds of lovely little gifts, goodies from all our local shops. It's our way of welcoming you to our little community. I'm sure you're going to find it a lovely place to live. Thank you. I think we'll enjoy it fine if we ever get some of this confusion cleared away. Well, this is a beautiful old house. And like most old houses in New England do, it has its share of history. Really? Well, you know, of course, that Catherine Lee Bates once lived here. Catherine Lee Bates? She wrote America the Beautiful. Oh, no, isn't that exciting? And Monsignor Davis actually died in one of the bedrooms upstairs. Died? Oh, don't worry. It was a perfectly natural cause as he was 88. Well, that explains it. But then I imagine you're far more interested in hearing about the living people of Wellesley, particularly your immediate neighbors. I imagine we'll be meeting them in time. Uh, the Farleys, at least. In the house caddy corner across the street. They're quite congenial. But their children are something of a problem. Teenagers. Boys, a college dropout, shiftless, long hair and a beard. And their girl is only in high school and already runs around with a very fast crowd. Heading for trouble, both of them, I'm afraid. Well, let's hope not. Your other two neighbors are inclined to keep their distance. Mercy Bird next door is a rider. I don't think a soul in town has ever been inside her house. And I'm sure you've heard of Mr. Wharton across the street. Yes, we have. He keeps quite to himself since his wife disappeared. Disappeared? Well, I don't mean in that sense exactly. Still, she did leave very suddenly, and no one seems to know where she went. Mrs. Parsons, 
Are you implying that we have a town mystery on our hands? Perhaps a body buried in the cellar? Oh, good heavens, no, nothing like that. Why, Rudolph Wharton is Wellesley's most prominent citizen. Uh, my husband didn't mean that seriously, Mrs. Parsons. Oh, of course. You are a detective in the city, aren't you, Mr. Severson? I suppose detectives have their little jokes like all of us. I suppose so, Mrs. Parsons, but right now I'm afraid I'm just a tired city detective, so if you'll excuse me, I... Oh, as a matter of fact, I must be running along. I'm afraid I sometimes overextend these little welcoming calls of mine. Oh, not at all. It's been just lovely meeting you. I'll see you to your car. Mine's in your way. I was sure Mrs. Parsons had elected herself Wellesley's official greeter. It was the ideal job for the town gossip. Now, don't be too hard on her. It was nice to have someone to talk to. She didn't really say anything harmful. She wasn't catty. Uh, speaking of cats, have you seen ours? He made a beeline for the woods again. I just hope he doesn't bring home any more surprises. Honey, cats are hunters. It's their nature. Now, mine hair just never had a chance to do his thing before. He's always been such a gentle house cat. I never thought of him as a predatory animal. Well, he is. He just can't help it, that's all. Yes, he can. That's like saying that killers have to kill. They're two different things entirely. That's mine hair. It sounds like he's in trouble. Maybe this time he got hold of something too big for him. Now, you close your eyes until I see what it is. Whatever it is, don't let him bring it in. Well, hello there. It's all right, honey. It's only a dog, I think. I'm afraid my Algernon scared off your cat. He didn't mean to. Algernon loves cats. He's very affectionate, but he just doesn't realize how big he is. And I imagine our cat will learn to stay out of his way. I just wanted you to know that Algernon won't hurt him in any event. Algie wouldn't hurt a fly. I'm afraid that's more than can be said for our cat. I'm Newt Severson, and this is my wife, Brenda. Oh, delighted. I'm Mercy Bird, your next-door neighbor. Oh, we're very happy to meet you. Uh, you're a detective, I hear. You're a mystery writer, I understand. One thing sure about this town, it's a grapevine. I may have some questions to ask you sometime, Mr. Severson. Uh, do you mind? Questions? Research for my stories. Oh, sure, if it's something I know. Well, it's going to come in handy having a detective right next door. Look, isn't that another of our neighbors, Mr. Wharton, the select man? That's him, all right. A great find slipped up this time. Distinguished isn't the word. Handsome would be better. Well, he's a looker, all right. I'll give you that. You sound as though you don't like Mr. Wharton very much, Miss Bird. Oh, call me Mercy. I never stand on ceremony. And as for Mr. Wharton, you're right. I don't like the man very much. Not at all, in fact. Now, come on. Algernon, come on. Let's finish our walk. Let our neighbor's cat get home in peace. <laughs> come by again, won't you? Oh, I will. Algernon insists on his walks. Ta-ta. Uh, goodbye, Miss Bird. Uh, uh, mercy. <laughs> Quite a character. Oh, I like her. So do I. But I wonder why she doesn't like the handsome, distinguished Mr. Wharton. When my first two days off came up, I had already managed to deal with most of the boxes. Confusion was gradually changing into order, and Brenda was busy at the sewing machine making new curtains for the big picture window. So I decided on a few hours busman's holiday and went downtown to look in on Wellesley's police station. There was an officer there named Dennehy that I once worked a case with. Great to see you again, Severson. 
What brings you out to Wellesley? Official business? No, no, we moved here, my wife and I. Ah. An old remodeled house on House Street. Ah, yes, I think I know the one. It's right across the street from... Uh, uh, Ralph Wharton, right. Right, right. He's really Mr. Big in this town, isn't he? Oh, he owns half of it. A block of stores, a medical building, a rest home, you name it. Say, you know, it may turn out to be a handy thing for us. You're living right across the street from Wharton. How's that? Well, you can keep your eyes open. Somebody's got a big hate on for that guy. He's been getting a series of poison pen letters ever since his wife left him last January. Hate mail? Uh-huh. I heard Mrs. Wharton just disappeared. Nobody knows where she is. Ah, the rumor factory. The truth is she went to California to live with her sister. We have a letter from her confirming this. Confirming it? Why was that necessary? Those letters Wharton's been getting. Wait a minute. I'll show you a photostat of one of them. You see? They're always pasted up words cut from newspapers and postmarked from the next town over. Natick. Here, you want to read it? You may think you can get away with your wife's murder, Rudolph Wharton, but you can't. I won't let you. Signed, The Great Eye. <laughs> the Great Eye? Sounds like somebody's playing a joke. You're new to Wellesley, my friend. Nobody, but I mean nobody, plays a joke on Rudolph Wharton. I want them to know that I'm their family insurance man. I want them to know that I can take care of any insurance need that they have. Agent Bud Inorio of Tucson, Arizona, talks about saving on car insurance with State Farm Mutual. And I want them to know that, that hopefully I would be available for them to call me and say, hey, I'm thinking about buying a 1970 automobile. Can you give me an idea what it's going to cost me? And at that time, I can say to this young man, yeah, it's going to cost you X number of dollars, but... You know, that's a high-performance automobile, and you're paying a high premium to start with because you're under 25 and single and so on. Uh, why don't you think about something that's not high-performance? I'm not only giving him maybe confidence in me or instilling more confidence in him, but I may be going to save this guy a buck, and he knows that I'm not just after his dollars. I'm actually there to, to try to help. Like a good Zero Hour continues after this. Even if someone served them a slice of beef, they couldn't bite into it. Their teeth are too weak. I'm not talking about some people over in Africa or Asia. I'm talking about Americans. American children. It's tragic how many thousands of them are in this country whose teeth will literally rot in their mouths because they'll never receive basic dental care. They may not even own a toothbrush. What hurts is that it takes so very little for any one of us to help them. The same dollar, for instance, that buys you two packs of cigarettes can buy three American children the first toothbrushes they've ever owned. I'm Cliff Robertson. Won't you give up some cigarettes so some American children can have their first toothbrush? Send your dollar to Americans for Children's Relief, Box 5050, Stamford, Connecticut. Box 5050, Stamford, Connecticut. One dollar. And, of course, if you can afford more, give more. So, then he asked me to keep my trained professional eye on the Wharton House for any sign of a suspicious character hanging about. It seemed that somewhere in Wellesley, a nut was running loose.
Why would anyone make an accusation that could be so easily disproved? It doesn't make any sense. Frank letters don't have to make sense. They're a nuisance to say the least, and any nut who writes them may be capable of... Of almost anything. Well, it's probably just someone who resents Rudolph Wharton's position and power. If he were receiving a lot of anonymous love letters, I could understand it. What about our friend Miss Bird? She apparently doesn't think of him as any paragon. But you don't think she'd be writing him poison pen letters, do you? Mm, it would seem more her style to just go over and tell him off. But a cop learns quickly enough not to rule out anything. Oh, dear. What's that for? We moved to this lovely, peaceful little town to get away. Now you're going to be a detective even when you get home. You're going to start looking at everyone with that suspicious cop nature of yours. No, honey. Well, it's true. Only when there's a reason. Oh, there's always a reason. If you start looking for one, people aren't perfect. You can't start putting them under a microscope without seeing things that you shouldn't see. I didn't know you felt this way about my work. Oh, Newt, I don't mind you being a detective. I'm proud of you. But please, just try to remember that this is where we live now. It's not a police precinct. It's our home. I know that, but I mean... Oh, these people are our friends and neighbors, not suspects. All right. All right, honey. I'll remember that. Go ahead. Uh, whoever it is, you can let them in. I promise I won't turn a light in their face and demand that they confess all. Mercy. How nice. Come on in. Without Algernon this time. Thought I'd spare your cat. When's the baby? Two more months. Got a good doctor, I hope. Mm-hmm. A very good Boston gynecologist, uh -huh. Dr. Abrams. Never heard of him. But then I never had any use for a gynecologist. Miss <laughs> uh, Bird, I mean, Mercy, uh, what is it about Mr. Wharton that you, uh, that you don't like? Oh, Newt. There's nothing I do like about Mr. Wharton. Nothing at all. Why? Because he thinks he's God Almighty. That's why. Somehow, despite the obvious evidence of her disdain for Rudolph Wharton, and now the added fact that she visited the next town of Natick regularly, I couldn't settle on Mercy Bird as the perpetrator of the poisoned pen letters. My cop's suspicious nature notwithstanding. Mercy Bird was a character, I thought, but not a nut. There was a big difference. There was something about the atmosphere in Wellesley, however, that made me glad to get back to the routine of my police job in Boston at the end of my two-day holiday. Captain Granger made sure my relief didn't last that long. Three, continue How's the new place out in Wellesley, dude? Oh, fine, Captain Fine. We're getting slowly but surely straightened out out there. I just had a call from Chief Torrance out there. Hmm? About that poison pen letter business? Poison pen letter? Wellesley has that going on, too? Why? What else is up? Obscene telephone calls? A whole epidemic of them. What? Yeah. That's some quiet little town you picked out for yourself, Severson. <laughs> You are listening to Mutual's presentation of The Zero Hour. Sir, we're asking people what they know about various organizations. Oh, you couldn't have asked a better person. I'm a member of eight clubs, three associations, four societies, a fraternal order, and a permanent floating crap game. Well, then you could probably answer this. What's the Amalgamated Society for the Betterment of Society? Oh, the ASBS. Never heard of them. But I guess it's an amalgamation of societies who've merged to help make society a better place to socialize in for everyone's betterment and so forth. Exactly right, sir. It was? Now, what's the 
ACS. AC, the American Cancer Society. And what does it do? Well, they're involved in cancer research. Sure, what else? Public education. Like they convinced me to give up smoking and taught me the warning signals of cancer. That and lots more. And how do they do all this? Through contributions. And what a spot to remind the public to send a generous check to their American Cancer Society. We want to wipe out cancer in your lifetime. Sir, you've been a great sport. Oh, thanks. And could I interest you in joining the society for the prevention of double parking? I'll join that. Uh, here's your whistle and your badge, and I would like to make a citizen's arrest. Here's a tip from your Better Business Bureau. With more and more people eating poultry these days, it might be a good idea to review some basic facts on how to buy and serve poultry. First of all, remember to look for the grade shield. The highest quality is U.S. Grade A. Grade A birds are fully fleshed, meaty, and attractive in appearance. But when you bring it home, remember that all poultry is perishable. Care and cleanliness should be used in the preparation, cooking, and serving of all poultry products. Keep frozen poultry hard frozen until time to thaw, and cook it promptly after thawing. Use fresh chilled poultry within one to two days. Completely cook poultry at one time. Never partially cook, then store, and finish cooking at a later date. Leftover cooked poultry, broth, stuffing, and gravy should be separated, covered, and refrigerated. Then you'd better use it within one or two days. A consumer tip from your Better Business Bureau. Tomorrow at this time, rest your eyes and listen here to this week's continuing study in suspense. A die in the country. I'm Rod Serling, and this is The Zero Hour. This episode brought to you in part by Big Red and State Farm. This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. You have been listening to The Zero Hour, a presentation of the Mutual Broadcasting System in association with Hollywood Radio Theater, heard every weekday at this time. Rod Serling is your host. Zero Hour is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. The Hollywood Radio Theater theme was played by Ferranti and Teicher and is now available on United Artists Records and Tapes. Hugh Douglas speaking. Tune in tomorrow and once again, rest your eyes. And listen here to the Zero Hour. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.